Good evening and welcome to the sports show with Hanif and Wajid. Wajid, how are you doing? I'm alright, how are you? Yeah, awesome. Right then, so we've got another special guest with us today, a professional boxer from Doncaster. He is 12-0 with six knockouts to his name. He is the English featherweight champion. I give you the one and only Reese Mould. Reese, how are you doing? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Yeah. yeah, not bad. Don't be shy, Reese. Speaking to the mic, <laughs> right, Reese? Let's quickly talk about your your championship fight. Absolutely amazing fight. I watched it online. The first round, you guys came out swinging. Was that the plan, or did you just think this guy's going for it, and so am I? No, it definitely wasn't the plan. But yeah, he came out swinging. Uh, we just had to stick with him and throw when he throws. Did you just go for fear? Did you just think you know what? He's just throwing throwing for the sake of it and better showing my power because you were the bigger lad weren't you yeah we had to, we knew we had to get him to respect my power in there uh, and we knew how would punch and he want and for him to come out like how he did it shocked us so I had to stamp my authority really straight away and uh, I did that in the first minute no definitely two knockdowns later I actually thought the second knockdown I thought this might be it this might be uh, a quick uh, a quick ending and an easy title. What were you thinking after the second knockdown? Yeah, after the second knockdown, I thought... I knew I still had plenty of time left, and I knew if I got him down again, it'd be end at fight. So I just went for it. You could say it was lack of experience, but if you were in my shoes, and you knew you, st- you had him hurt and you had plenty of time left, I think most I think most still would do exactly what I did. Mm-hmm. But that allowed him to get back into it in the so, second round. So in a moment like that, with the second knockdown, does the game plan go straight out the window yeah. in a all about the kill essentially yeah i'd, I'd do the exact same thing <laughs> <laughs> no you got him hurt by using your jab that's when you were very effective because you're keeping that in and just catching him because all he was doing was he was just coming forward yeah. like a steam train yeah i didn't have to <coughs> take it to him which i thought we would do in first half at fight we thought it was going to come like that in second half at fight with me not having experience going into past six rounds and him having a lot of experience up to 12 rounds and we knew he could do that pace all 12 rounds so we didn't expect him starting like that at all yeah he, he had a phenomenal record as well he's, he was 14 and 2 but he'd won some decent titles the um, I believe he's a super bantamweight yeah uh, he won the international title for that and he came in with a very good resume um, you know a lad that throws a high volume of punches you could say he's a, a smaller version of Amir Khan to a certain degree he's just coming forward and just throwing a very tough lad but basically just moving around moving around him and just picking him off was that the game plan or do you thought you know what well, I had to, I've got to tough out a few rounds as well because he's just going to come for a brawl this lad no, uh, we thought we were going to have to take fight to him a little bit in first half, well, in first four or five rounds. And then we we did expect him to come forward in second half at fight, but I think it was opposite. Second round, it was very close, um, how I saw it. I didn't see the official scorecard or anything. And how did you see the second round? Were you were you tired from the first round a little yeah, bit, thinking yeah, you gave I out a bit too a little much? bit from the first, having put in so much in. So second round, I was just I was gassed. But when I got back to my corner, they told me to settle down and get back on onto my jab like I did in the first round and uh, just catch him as he come in. And I thought I did that. And then the third round, it was a very good round. I saw that. You caught a lot of his. Sh- you were catching a lot of his shots throughout the fight, especially on your gloves, because there was a, there was a lot not landing. He was putting the pressure on, but your defense was was really good. And then you got that third that third knockdown that 
I believe it was a left hook. No, I think it, that went over on right. Was it over on right? It looked like, well, I had the referee in my way until you showed me <laughs> uh, a different side to it. What was going through your mind? Did you think, you know what, this guy's going to come back and uh, we're going to have to go again? Yeah, but when you watch the replay, he went back to his head, checking it, uh, went back to his corner, shaking his head, and it looked like a dead fight took out of him at that point, but still... I went into the fourth round thinking he's going to do the exact same again, and he did come out, but I caught him <coughs> early on. I think it was 12 seconds into the fourth one. So, so when you saw him going to the corner shaking his head, did that not change your mentality at all, thinking... Right, I, well, I, I didn't see that. Oh, didn't I see didn't see that until right. after when I've watched right. the fight okay. back. If you, so if you had seen that, would you would your mentality have changed? Would you have thought, I've got this guy? Yeah, definitely, yeah. And then, well, obviously, you said 12 seconds later into the fourth round, you, uh, you finished him, really, didn't you? Yeah. What was that like, winning... Winning the title and it was a step up in quality. Oh, it was a massive step up for me. I mean, yeah, from the opponents what I've been facing. And you know, title title fight probably got not probably went a lot better than I think even you could have expected. What was the feeling like? Relief. <laughs> <laughs> Go and get some food. <laughs> but yeah, trained for that to be English champion since I was ten year old. I never managed to do it as an amateur. Yeah, but then I've done it into my fourth season as a pro. So. How long was your camp for this for this uh, ten round fight? Well, we got into camp. I think my first fight against him was scheduled to be in March, but then uh, I had an issue with my medical, so then we've had to postpone it. Now we're into my final week of camp then, so I'd done like a ten week camp there, then it's been put back to this date. So really, since just after Christmas, I've been in camp really for this fight. <laughs> Since Christmas, yeah. Wow. So you were re- you were more than ready. Yeah. <laughs> Is that something you're going to probably do for uh, the opposition you're going to face from from now on? Because you're going to face tougher opposition. No, we'll still keep it the same. Uh, I mean, we we'll start training again m- from Monday for the next fight. Normally, we, he tells us to get half half fit, get our weight down, and then uh, we normally have like an eight week solid camp. Then. Oh, brilliant! Who did you spar in the run up for this fight? So I had a lot, of, a lot of people I haven't sparred because we didn't know what style we were going to fetch. We didn't know whether. He, I mean, there's a few fights of him on the internet and stuff. And he boxes completely different through them, so we sparred a lots of different people. But we did a lot with like Josh. That's Josh Warrington, the IBF world champion, by the way, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> He's it's just Josh to him. <laughs> What's it like sparring with Josh? Yeah, it's good, you know. If I can I know if I can do ten round ten, twelve rounds with him at his pace, I can do it with anyone's pace. So it's good just for the mindset going into any fight. So your conditioning would have been on point. Yeah. No, it's it's just amazing that you have the opportunity to fire um, to basically learn off and spar someone who is the current uh, world champion. What did you learn from this fight? Just be prepared for anything from from soon from as soon as that bell goes in round one. Just to be prepared because I want ready for that. I want ready for how we come out. So going into my next one, I'm going to be ready for anything what anyone brings. Was there a a post fight message from your um, from your coaches to say, look, we're going to work on this or that, or did they just say, right, <coughs> celebrate and then we'll yeah, get you back we'll in? Yeah, we'll sort it when we get back into the gym. Right. Okay. So, sounds like a threat. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you uh, take me back? And uh, how did you get into? How did you get involved into boxing? Ten years old. A few of my mates went up to the local gym, so I thought I'd go up with them. Went up with. Them. I think they lasted about four weeks. <laughs> 
and they were just me stuck there and I've never looked back really what did you enjoy as a kid about boxing fighting and sparring you just loved fighting and sparring yeah. <laughs> what was it just like punching people or knocking them out or yeah just punching people I think <laughs> was it something you needed as a young man or as a young child yeah, growing up a bit, yeah I was a bit wild when I was a bit younger and I was very active so going to the gym like three four times a week helped a lot and I think it kept me out of a lot of trouble as well yeah it keeps you off the streets doesn't yeah. it yeah the boxing gym that you trained as a child at, is it still there yeah it's still there uh, sadly just before I turned professional we lost our old trainer <coughs> Ken Blood uh, who trained me really from being 10 years old right up to me turning professional oh right brilliant any of you the family members into uh, into boxing no, or are you the first just me I'm first one you the first one who's your favourite boxer of all time current or past who do you like to watch I do like watching uh, <coughs> I did like watching Ricky Atten but I liked Amir Khan coming up just with his hand speed and is it just exciting to watch even though he's not got much of a chin but I, d I think he is exciting to watch entertaining yeah yeah no definitely so amateur boxing how many fights did you have as an amateur? 50 odd amateurs. 50 odd amateurs? Yeah. How many did you win? 40, 40 odd, I'd say, yeah. Oh, right, so you had a very good. Yeah, and the, the only people I did lose to were like Yakez Ashfax and so on, like people like him who were at top, who were the, the elite, elite. Probably a lot from my side of things, whereas I never used to go running and I never used to eat right as an amateur or anything like that. I just took it as a bit of a game, really. So you just enjoyed it, yeah, something that you did on the side. Yeah, yeah. It's very interesting. So you'd go for a McDonald's after a fight. Yeah. <laughs> oh, before a fight. <laughs> before a fight. Yeah. <laughs> I can Is that after the way? I can remember we were in quarters, one, in quarter at ABAs. And me and Tom Bell, who sadly lost his life uh, not long ago, went outside, <laughs> went to the burger van. This was about an hour before we boxed and got a big old burger. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the best that's the best fight prep I've ever heard. But then that. we got back in and says, "Are you in?" Because we, I thought I won at last one's on because I won all this. But there were two rings there and I split it up. It weird. So I just had my burger and I went into a fight and it was right my hardest fight in, in ABAs. What did you did, did you coach though? That yeah, you well, it? we did when we got back. <laughs> <laughs> when I started blowing, when I was warming up. What are your uh, thought, thoughts on the new um, on the new scoring system for amateur boxing? Do you think it's better, or, or did you uh, prefer the old style? Uh, the my my style of boxing definitely suits it, but it's just getting more and more like professional fighting, isn't it? With, without the egg guards and all the new ruling and the new obviously the new point scoring systems is it better do you reckon for someone like it me it is better yeah but I'd, I think it takes the amateur side out of amateur boxing I just don't think it's right mm. so what age did you um, start um, getting into the ring for these amateur fights well, I had my first fight on my 11th birthday on your 11th birthday yeah. happy birthday son <laughs> yeah we're going for a <laughs> took fight took me in there down in Hartlepool, I'll never forget it. What was it like making weight for a fight well, up as until, a kid? Up until about 19, I never used to make weight. I used to rock up, <laughs> <laughs> weighing with my big boxing shorts on. I used to make weight fine. Up until my last eight senior ABAs, I had to lose a few kilo, but never... So you had a good time through your amateur career. Yeah. It, it wasn't something that, you know, you sweated over. You just thought, you know what, I'm yeah. going to enjoy this. Yeah, you used to eat fish and chips on day at five. <laughs> Fair enough. If that if it gets you through a fight, <laughs> why why not? You're still an still an amateur. You know, as someone who's coming through the amateur boxing scene, and you've got those boxes which are the elite. Yeah. Do you think the process for you is harder? 
yeah. than for them because they'll probably get with the bigger promoters compared to someone like yourself yeah. and Josh Warrington to a certain degree because yeah. obviously he's he's built himself up as well from the small town shows yeah. as well. Yeah, but saying that we don't have as much pressure on our shoulders as a lot of these GB lads coming out of that full full camp and uh, boxing straight away on the TVs and so on. We've got no pressure on it. We haven't got how many thousand, millions, thousand people watching us saying that we should be doing this and saying that we should be doing that it's down to us really and we've got no pressure at all do you think they do you think they have to fight a lot more than than you lads no not really because a lot of your top england lads have always had into you hundreds of amateur fights and nowadays with the w is it the world series boxing or whatever they're yeah. doing it's five rounds five three minute rounds so they can be stepped up before the likes of people that aren't. No point going in four, four three-minute rounds in your first few pro- professional fights when you've already done five three-minute rounds with people who are probably going to be world champions because the be- already the best amateurs in the world. So you may as well get in there and do. do how hard is it to get into Team England and for the Olympic teams? Oh, it's really hard. But if you don't get in from a young age, it's twice as hard. Uh, but if you're in from a young age and you follow it right through, you, you've done it really, haven't you? Uh, but then it's just the qualifying, and obviously you've got other lads behind you all the time wanting to qualify you at the same way and so on. So the, there's a lot more pressure on them. Yeah, definitely. How are you, since you're now obviously British champion, are you finding that you're getting more sort of media presence and a lot more eyes on you? Yeah, definitely. And how are you... How are you coping with that? Because obviously... I'm just taking it in my stride, really. It's something I've never really had throughout all my boxing career. Yeah, that's what, yeah, that's what I was going... Kind of what I was leading to, because as you said, you know, the GB lads have kind of had the focus on them straight away, and you've yeah. been working yourself up on the smaller yeah. shows and stuff. No one's really told you how to manage the media or kind of what to do in terms of when the eyes are on you. Is it fairly easy taking it in your stride, or are well, you are you learning lessons quite quickly? <laughs> Yeah, because I'm not a right good talker anyway. At best of times, <laughs> never mind with a camera in front of your face. But <laughs> yeah, I'm just taking it in my stride and just enjoying it. As an amateur, did you um, suffer any injuries or touch wood you were uh, you just, were okay? Yeah, I just broke my nose, but that were only in sparring and that, that were about it as an amateur, yeah. He just says it like it was nothing, I just <laughs> broke my nose. Luckily, as, as well, I only had two years boxing with no egg guards, so I didn't get cut or anything as an amateur. Whereas a lot of you top boys now are getting cut all the time because they're fighting some of them are fighting four times in a week in these championships and the scar tissue what they're going to have later on in, when they do turn professional is unbelievable because of the no egg guards do you think the um the british board of control or team england whoever is in charge takes this into consideration or are they more worried about the image of boxing and making money really and looking at the sport. I'm not sure, you know. I don't. Because I don't know why they, they did bring it in. If if you're fighting four times a week and you're yeah, and you're under sixteen and you sit in school, it's definitely. No, not I a think good it, thing. I think you do have to be. I think it's seventeen or eighteen. We know our guys, but I did hear that. It's eighteen. It's eighteen. Guys, yeah, yeah, but there was on about bringing it in for the younger ones as well, wasn't there? So. I'm not sure. I'm I'm not really happy with stuff like that because I just think I don't think kids should be uh, no fighting without head guards and it's not happened as of yet. But hopefully it won't. So uh, at least you've not had any major injuries apart from a broken nose. What made you tr- What made you turn pro? Who inspired you? Yeah, we're, uh, <coughs> well, I started sparring with Jamie McDonald and Gavin and Josh when I was 18, and then watching them pick the titles up and stuff. And I know. I've known for a long time that my style didn't suit the amateurs whatsoever. When the thought the time were right, as soon as it was, uh, we turned professional. And we want, I won't get in anywhere in the uh, amateurs. I mean, 
I went down to North East to box one of the best lads in England there and I got absolutely robbed down there. Then to find out I was meant to fight him the week after and they cancelled the fight, they won't come and fight me the week after up at our way, which was no surprise really. And then a few weeks after that he was boxing all over the world and I was still struggling to get fighters because I were at top of my game but not at the elite, if you know what I mean, where like your top England boys were. So I want fighting regular, I were only really fighting in ABAs and stuff. To get a bad decision like that and then go and watch him go fight all the way around the world, it, it was a bit of a sickener really. Who, sorry, who judges the fights at amateur level? Is it referees or do you have judges as well? Judges, or? judges, yeah. Judges. Okay, no, it's just interesting. So, how did you find the process of becoming a professional boxer? Good, really. Uh, like I said, I didn't really have to change my style or anything. Like most of your England boxers do have to change the style because they've been used to that point scoring systems where they're not having to stand the feet. But I've stood my feet all the way through my amateurs and I've planted and thrown shots. So, I've not really had to adapt my style or anything like that. And longer the rounds go on, it suits my style as well. So No, I meant in terms of it costing you f- uh, for medicals and licensing fees. Well, luckily I've got a few good sponsors what sort all that sort of stuff out for me, so I'm grateful for that. All right, brilliant. Well, that's good. At least you've uh, you've got someone to support you along the way. Yeah. Let's talk about your first pro fight. So what were your feelings uh, like going into your first fight against uh, Phil Hervey, I think his name was. Yeah, I think he's from out this way on as well, isn't it? I think it's from Wigan. Is it from Wigan? I think it's from Wigan. Mm. That's what it said on BoxRec, whether it's No, true I'm sure it is, you know, because he used to train with Nurse's trainer. He was his manager. Yeah, well, he took him in corner anyway. I can remember seeing him. But yeah, it was on a massive arena show on Josh's Undercard. And it was quite later on at night as well. I think it was about six, six o'clock. So there were quite a few people in there. But luckily I've boxed at Echo Arena. So that was similar sort of size and stuff. But just loved every minute of it. And we got him out in first round. Hey, it ended well. <laughs> it ended well. So your current, so who's your current coach at the moment and where do you train? We train up in Batley at uh, Dickie's Gym. Dickie's Gym. Uh, and I'm trained by Sean O'Hagan. As well as we spar over in Doncaster. We do a lot of our sparring over in Doncaster with Jimmy Arrington. And Nick Manners comes over there with us. All right, brilliant. Oh, I've got a few messages. Ricky Ellery, big shout out. Good evening. <laughs> Hamza Youssef. Oh, he's got a question for you. Uh, do you think Mayweather versus Pacquiao will happen again? And if so, who wins? I think Mayweather wins. Why do you yeah. think Mayweather wins? I just think his style is... I don't know, I just think his style... I think only person to get close to him would be Khan because of his speed. I think you've got to be fast with someone like him and throw plenty of punches. I know Mayweather, uh, Pacquiao does throw a lot of punches, but they're not as fast, and I don't know, I just I just don't think it... I think it got the same way as what it did first time. I think the problem with Khan is he's like a Ferrari. Yeah. He, he can't control the hands. Yeah. If he had a bit more control in him, I think uh, it, it'd do him uh, the world of good. Yeah, he won his last fight in... Um, I think it was the Middle East. Yeah, Saudi, he got paid Saudi, well. Saudi, Saudi. He got paid very well. Yeah. You know, I'm sure you wouldn't mind a few of them paydays. <laughs> Do you uh, let yourself go after a, after a fight or after a, uh, after a big fight? Do you try and maintain your weight? Yeah, I don't go too heavy like some because I don't drink anyway in or out of camp. Uh, so my weight never goes stupidly mad. But yeah, it's I never let it get too bad. And I'm starting up, always start camps was where I'm not too far out and where you can just maintain the same amount of week per week leading up to the fight. Awesome. I had a word with uh, your partner beginning of, I'm sorry, before we came on air, and uh, she said you, you guys hardly see each other, especially when you're in training camp. <laughs> I don't think that's a bad thing when I'm in camp. <laughs> she might agree with that as well. <laughs>
But yeah, she works and I do a training day or leading up to a fight I'm still working and then I'll have like a month or so off. So when I am working I'm getting in just before I'm getting to bed. I'm going into bed till six o'clock at night. She don't get in till five. So I'm getting up, I'm leaving house at 20 past six to get to Leeds for seven. And then I'm not getting back in house till 10 o'clock at night. And then by the time I've been showered and stuff, she's in bed again, ready for work tomorrow. So you're travelling from Doncaster to Leeds? Yeah. And you do that five times a week? Mm, yeah. It's, it's crazy. Uh, it's absolutely amazing the amount of dedication you have, the amount you're willing to put in. So you currently work, what do, what do you work as? Plastering. You're Plast- a plasterer? Yeah, I work for my dad. So luckily I can have as much time as what I want off, really. It's a pretty tough job, a plastering job is. Yeah, that's why I can work right up. It's not as if I'm sat there all day in an office eating. I'm active. So yeah. my weight as well, it is, it's good. So yeah, it's not too bad a job, really. When you're training for a fight, do you think you might be at a disadvantage if you're fighting someone who's a full-time fighter? compared to compared to yourself you don't train as full time you no not really because I've not boxed at that level yet where I've boxed opposition what are full time fighters <coughs> whereas I did get a title and my lad who were fighting was a full time and it were a title where my trainer says look I think you need to take a full 12 week off I'd do that, you know. He's just saying at I minute. Mean, he he tells he tells me what he thinks I should have off work and whatever he tells me I have off work. So as soon as he, we te- step up, like in my next fight, if he tells me to have ten week off, I'll have ten week off. I'm just still working, just to bring, just to pay some of them bills. Do you see yourself going full time? Yeah. Soon though. Yeah, within the next year or two. Right. We should be full time. Yeah. Well, really, whatever fights, if they get me a big fight, this next one, and I come through it all right. There's no reason why not. Can't go. Are you looking to defend your title, or are you looking for a British title fight? We'd like the British title, yeah, but. Or is it Commonwealth? Do you know what no, direction not, you want to go in? Uh, not too sure. We're going to sit down this week and sort it out. What would, What do you want? I want to push on and just fight in big fight. Title or, or no title? Yeah, big. Just big fights. I want big fights. Not too bothered about defending. The people in front of me really have all got big titles. And that's where I want. I want to keep pushing forward. I don't want to fight someone who's way behind me. They might have had eight one eight or so on, but the behind me, I want to keep pushing forward and fight them people who've got them titles. Who would you like to fight next if you had your, you know, if you, if you kept it within British or Commonwealth? Is there someone you think you know what? No, I'm not. I could. No, I as could long as. Him. As long as they're in front of me and they've got a title, I fight them. And as long as she's not willing to share anything with us at <laughs> all, you can share. You can have. A, you can have an opinion. <laughs> no, as soon as Sean and Steve tell me that they they think I should be fighting so and so. I'll fight him. No, definitely. So that's enough of grilling you, and now we'll just talk uh, boxing generally. So I think we can all agree who the best featherweight in Britain is, and that's Warrington. Yeah. Then you. Yeah, then me. Because you're not there yet. <laughs> not yet. One day. But if you look at the guys that have got the titles, some pretty tough dudes out there. You've got Oscar Valdez, Santa Cruz, and who I think is the toughest out of the lot is Gary, Gary yeah, Russell, Russell Jr., Jr. who I think is yeah. I think he's pound for pound I think yeah. Josh has to have the best night to yeah. beat him what are your thoughts on those four fighters fighting each other and who do you think will come out on top I think the Russell fight is definitely the hardest fight for Josh but I think Valdez hasn't been what he was in his last few fights whether I know there's been some on social media about his weight he's on about moving up weight unless he fights Warrington or thing so he's obviously struggling a lot with his weight and I think with Josh's pressure it's just his ring craft people don't give him 
what he deserves for his ring his ring craft is unbelievable he's not just a come forward fighter who's got this unbelievable work rate it's his ring craft and how he works you out and how he does things what you don't see on the outside and I think he beats them I think it's a northern thing yeah. they don't rate as northern lads yeah. <laughs> so you think Gary Russell Jr. is the best from yeah. all four yeah. and Josh will have to be perfect on the night to beat him yeah. no fair enough I think he beats Valdez and Santa Cruz yeah. interesting few months let's talk about drug testing what are your thoughts on fighters taking PEDs or any enhancing drugs do you think they should be banned or do you think they should be given an opportunity and then banned what are your thoughts on it I think they should be banned for life even if <clears> it's by accident like I say for example you ate something and you didn't realise it had something that came up on anyone really who's at top of the game like like them who's just been he's, him who's just been caught you can say his name don't worry about Dylan White <laughs> uh, no we'll get to Dillian White I just want your opinion on it anyone at the top of the game like they are sure they've got someone checking what they're putting in the body at all times especially with knowing what all the little things what you can can be classed now as coming up on your uh, on your drugs uh, thing but yeah I think they definitely should look into it and the ones what I've been caught and they've got no explanation for it a, a valid explanation I think they should be barred for life what would you consider as a valid explanation for finding any sort of PED in your system I don't know because uh, to using the Dillian Y as an example finding Dianabol in your system that's not that's not lying around in your food so no exactly yeah it's not com- in your food or it's not going to be in your drinks what you're drinking is it on your in your shakes and stuff like that so how else are you getting that into your body how, how can you explain that you're getting something like that <clears> in your body so you're saying so when we were speaking off air you were saying how you were very surprised that you didn't have a drug test before your title fight do you think at any sort of title level whether it's British Commonwealth that a drug test should be mandatory yeah because starting right from the title what I've just won even though it's only a small title it's the first title to get into the big fight so you need to win that for you to be able to fight for these big titles so if they're going to cheat at the top <clears throat> they're going to cheat on way to get into the top do you think it's going to take someone unfortunately losing their life in the ring from someone who's on performance enhancing drugs before they take it seriously because yeah. I mean last week we lost two fighters anyway and obviously no performance enhancing drugs and stuff like that but now because boxing's kind of in the light do you th- don't you think now is the time for the organisation to get involved and like really focus on yeah. this I mean what is it going to like you said is it going to take someone to be killed mm. and, and been caught and what are they going to are they going to get done it's murder in my eyes if, if you're taking drugs to cheat and you've killed someone in the ring you've meant to do it you've no I I can no, understand I where you're coming from. If we take last weekend's fight where Dillian White is now the mandatory for Deontay Wilder's title, that's the WPC title, I believe. Eddie Hearn knew that Dillian White had failed a drug test, but Dillian did go in front of the commission, that is the British Board of Boxing. They cleared him to fight, but Dillian White's opponent did not know that. Where do you stand on that? Do you stand the same? Do you think he? Sh- do you think we have a? Do you think he should have had a right to know? Yeah, definitely. Of course, he should have known. And the the title, the the W, who was it? W- the WBC. The WC, they should be known. I think they work alongside. Don't they employ the uh, what? You- they work with VADA. VADA didn't find anything. It was UCAD, right. the UK yeah, Anti-Doping yeah. Agency. Surely they should all work with each other anyway. And you'd think so. Yeah, you would. Yeah. It's not looking good for boxing, and it's definitely not looking good for Dillian White. Now, I've. 
I'm reserving my judgment until the B sample comes back. But if the B sample comes back negative and the face sample was positive, what kind of message does that send to boxing fans that we that we don't know what's going on or someone's manipulating the game? I don't really know how to answer. I don't. It, sorry, it depends. Was the was the second sample taken at the time the first sample was yeah, taken? Yeah, they've not tested right, it yet. Right. So they've taken both samples, but they only test one. Mm. Why, why don't why have they only tested one? Mm. If they've took, I, I don't know. Time? I think I think they've tested the other one but they've not released the right. results but a lot of people uh, I think it was boxing scene have more or less vindicated Dillian White and said he's cheated and we should treat him the same as Jarrell Miller but Dillian White's now uh, suing them but I'm saying suing them I can't prove that but there's a legal case going on yeah. according to his promoter now the f- the show went on but would he have still boxed if he were an undercard fighter and he'd just been caught that is, the que- that is a very good question because he's a big star in the UK and he attracts a lot of pay-per-views would he have attracted the same amount of number if people knew that he was cheating yeah. or allegedly he's failed his, so he's, he's failed his sample he's, he's failed one uh, he's failed one test he's not cheated in my opinion but but if it comes back that he has, what do, what do you think the ramifications are for Dillian White if if the second uh, sample is positive and he has actually um, taken PEDs? It's not first time he's been caught mm. for it, is it? I know they're saying it's, I think he'll get four years if it does come. It's not enough. I think he should be barred for life. Do you think there should be any f- uh, financial penalties? Yeah, there definitely should be. And I think his opponent should get all of it. We'll last it ring with. And obviously it's taken an impact on his opponent's record I don't know if there's a rule in boxing where they can call it a no mm. contest but surely yeah. I'm not too sure actually on that but surely I they think have to it, reconsider I think, it wo- I think it works the same as mixed martial arts is it yeah okay I yeah. think don't hold me to that but I think that's the case and just quickly in your opinion who's the best heavyweight boxer out there Tyson Fury why do you think Tyson Fury is the best I think his style is just all wrong for every one of them top heavyweights what are out there do you believe he beats Joshua yeah I think he could stop him actually yeah and do you think Joshua wins the rematch against Andy Ruiz I don't know you no, think I he'll think, lose yeah I think he's, his style's all too wrong for Joshua as well with him being small and his fast stands and coming to this he's not going to be uh, at all he knows what Joshua brings he knows how strong he is I know Joshua he would definitely want him right in there but I f- still think the best Joshua won't beat him alright that's fantastic right everyone that's Reese Mould that's our English featherweight champion thank you so much Reese. cheers I'll call you back in a year